Don't miss a single episode of Door Bumper Clear with NASCAR spotters TJ Majors and Brett Griffin as they recap their weekend at the racetrack. You can find Door Bumper Clear on DaleJr.com, DirtyMoRadio.com, and all major podcasting outlets thanks to Exalta. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Fired out of the cannon. Junior goes to the lead at Daytona. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will lay claim to his first NASCAR Winston Cup victory. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500. Hey everybody, uh, back at it again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Back from his vacation at WrestleMania is Tyler Overstreet. I'm here. Yeah, he's back. And uh, we also have Tony uh, Mayhoff in uh, studio with us. He was... Hey guys. Yeah, he was Tyler's fill-in. Yes. For this weekend. And we're going to find out if he was a worthy fill-in. Right. I think he was. Um, So, you said... Um, you say here in the notes that uh, you it was one of three off weekends that you yeah is that news that to you yeah well it says PR folks get these yeah it's not uncommon I mean, you're not a PR guy do you want to be a PR do you want to be labeled PR guy well because I didn't think you'd like that well, well more manager or do you more, like that more manager types get uh, um they get ma- like wait, 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 half what, a season off what standard says, do you hold yourself to are yeah, you a no, PR guy you, do you want what all PR guys get or do you are you better than that Tyler. I think it. I, aspire I think to he be wants better. to be PR folk when it works for him. That's right. Yeah, and then he wants to be road manager when that works for That's him. That's right. Hey, I know. Ch- I know Chase's manager gets like is only going to like twelve races. Yeah. Starting out slow. Yeah. He's he's into it. Yep. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, Tyler's weekend at WrestleMania. Got we'll on. also talk about your weekend. Well, we got to talk about yours. Everybody wants to know about your weekend. Remember, you had the big news story. Uh, in the uh, USA Today, USA Today about going to WrestleMania. Do you uh, do you function as your own PR rep, or do you have a guy who pitches those stories for you? Yes, I pitched that one. Good, good yeah. work. Well, I see, yeah. Hey, so we'll, we'll gotta talk get your about name it. out there. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Martinsville race and uh, a few other things. Let's get going. All right, so let's talk about Martinsville. Uh, Martinsville, one of my favorite tracks. Love short track racing. Uh, especially at Martinsville, and uh, we didn't get to test out the lights. All the weather uh, went pretty well for the weekends. We thought we might have to qualify in, 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 uh, later in the afternoon on Friday. They'd chatter about that a little bit. There was, Yeah, and then it, it appeared to clear up. It was like 100%. Everybody was talking about how bad it was going to rain all day Friday, and, oh, man, it's 100%, da, 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 and by lunch or so we were good to go. And then you were on track. Then it rained. And did they say what the reason was that they didn't actually – was it because of tech? Yeah, because they couldn't get all the cars through tech in time. So made per made perfect sense. I saw Denny Hamlin tweeted that they should just qualify without teching them, and then the top 12 would tech after qualifying. I like that. I don't think anybody had a problem with that idea. That seems like a reasonable idea for every week. Especially in uh, – Because that's like a two or I've, two and a half well, hour process. No, no, no. I think that that – if you – I think if you present that as the idea going in, guys will manipulate that and cheat up their cars and know not, you know, think about it. The guys, you know, the guys that know they might not make the top 12 can rig their cars up pretty good just to make the field. 
it's okay, I think, to kind of spring it on guys if it's something you have to adjust on Friday. If you're like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Nobody can really scramble in that period of time to really take advantage of that or cheat any of the system or manipulate it. Because you know that that is what the teams are going to do. They're going to take every opportunity to manipulate yeah. manip manipulate the rules. And so I like Denny's idea. Uh, if that if we're kind of put in that box in the future, I think that's a great decision to make. But not going – don't go – into the weekend with like this is we're not doing tech on qualifying day yeah you can't let guys know that they might not get teched at all that makes sense because then they might really try to trick trick the system if they're going to give up a top 12 qualifying spot that might get them something through into the race right they don't need to be on their car um anyhow uh the weather was great uh really good actually and and it was a little chilly i was concerned about the temperature we had a new right side tire and typically, if uh, uh, the tracks are going to rubber up really good, it needs a lot of track temp, and it needs to be kind of warm. So it was kind of – I was worried it wasn't, wasn't going to be warm enough to rubber up the track, but the track took a ton of rubber. This was a great tire that Goodyear brought this weekend. The track really widened out. The groove widened out. We saw guys running even in the second groove, making passes in the second groove. I saw the 42 and 18 up there. I know the 18 was making a lot of ground up on the top. Uh, we would go in really high and dime in the corner and, and be almost a whole full groove up the racetrack and then uh, cut down and run off the bottom. It was tons of fun to drive. That reminded me a lot of the old tire we used to run back before we went to green tires. They took a lot of the oils and chemicals out of the tires uh, in the last several years to go to a greener tire that's better for the environment. And that has made it harder for these tires to really rubber up. They just turn all the stuff that comes off the tire turns to powder kind of and doesn't stick to the track uh, but this particular weekend man it was like the tire of old so maybe this is something they could utilize at other tracks moving forward and whatever they did i really really think they need to try to uh you know replicate that everywhere we go uh the rubber the track rubbered up really quickly and we tend to take the rubber back up off the track when the caution comes out with our hot tires just rolling around there. We kind of pick it all back up, but this tire would lay it right back down in 15 laps. Was it falling off significantly over a long run? I, I don't know. I wasn't. I don't really look at my lap times on the dash in the race, but it was. It was the car. The handling was dissipating and, and right. the drive off and all that thing. You know, all that stuff was like you'd want. Yeah, like you'd want. So not everybody's just sitting there hitting hot laps, lap after lap. It was cool. We were talking to Goodyear yesterday. Typically, when you hear about tires at a race, it's always a bad thing. Yeah. And you heard you specifically, but a lot of drivers were talking about how the tire actually added to the race. And to your point, it widened the groove. It made the race better. So it was cool to see that. Yeah. You talk about the tires in a positive way. That's right. Goodyear was here yesterday uh, at Junior Motorsports, and we had a chance to visit with them a little bit uh, as one of our partners. But we, um, they, that's true. We, uh, the drivers, myself included, don't really – say much when the tire's good. Right. <laughs> when it's bad, we all start talking. Have, have you ever been to Goodyear to see them put the no, tire? Me I've and Tony heard. did that. Right. And it's they're making those things one by one. A guy is literally laying on layer after layer. Yeah. And then it comes off. They, they let it cool or whatever. And then they go through, like, a process of engineers, like, checking every single tire. So when these guys are like, oh, Goodyear did a terrible job, I'm like, there is an extensive process going on right. to make those tires. It's like anything else in the sport. It's the science now. Like they, like to, to Tyler's point, they use lasers and yeah, uh, yeah chemistry. Good. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I think all the drivers, myself included, probably 
uh, benefit from going up there and seeing that process. We certainly probably would take a little more, um, we'd probably be a little more hesitant to speak out when we didn't appreciate the tire. But uh, practice didn't go very well for us this weekend. We struggled uh, in all the practices, really. All four car cars didn't show a ton of speed. Uh, even on our long run stuff, it wasn't just, we weren't, quite as competitive as we'd been in the past. I think we were all very concerned going into uh, the race Sunday. Greg said he made a ton of changes. We always make changes on Saturday night. So when I, when I say, man, we're going to make some changes, that's not really alarming. But Greg made an, uh, an unusual amount of changes for this uh, particular weekend because the car wasn't really performing that well. And I got to say, I mean, I was really – thrilled with how the car drove in the race I thought Greg and those guys they sit this is what Greg and them guys do after a race I don't, I don't know if people really understand or appreciate but so when we get done with practice on Saturday this is every weekend I'll sit with Greg and the guys until he kind of dismisses me t for the most part we'll sit in the lounge of the truck and they're literally pouring through the setup it's me it's Greg three other engineers and myself and everybody's sort of crunching numbers and running simulation and making changes and seeing what this does and what that does and everything is getting fed to Greg and he sort of sees what he likes or doesn't like and Greg's also pouring over all of the notes from all the other teams and all the changes they've made how they started practice how they ended practice all the comments the drivers make then we have a meeting right uh, about an hour after practice, the last practice, where all the crew chiefs, all the drivers come into the lounge and we sit down and everybody goes over. All the crew chiefs start talking first. So the crew chiefs talk about every change they made from Friday and Saturday. It's really extensive, kind of boring at times, but if you pay attention and take a lot of notes, you kind of you can pick up on some things that maybe you didn't try. Or uh, if, if you're tight in the middle and... and, and and Jimmy tried something on his car that he liked to help the center. You can write that down. You and Greg can talk about it, run it in simulation, see if that's something you want to add to your car. So we spend hours and hours and hours. All right, so when the garage closes, the drivers and crew chiefs and uh, crew members, everybody has to leave, right? So the crew will go back to the hotel. If Greg has his bus, he'll go back to the bus lot. If not, he'll go to the hotel with the team. And when he goes there, he opens his books, and he basically – gets right back to what he was doing in the lounge, going over the setup, going over the numbers, and he'll do that basically through his dinner and all the way till it's time to go to bed. And so he spends... And for Greg, that is not that's, like a... That's every week. Yeah, that's not just like a paint... This picture, he's working all the time. He's legitimately working all yeah. the time, yeah. Exactly. So, so as a driver, that big amount of changes that comes after the last practice, does that make you excited? Like, oh, we got these big changes and I, I'm confident in them? Or does it make you anxious? Like, oh, we had to take a big swing here. Let's see what it is. Uh, well, when it works like this time and time again, you, go, you gain tons of confidence in the, in, the, in the things that Greg's doing. He was a real leader this weekend. He stepped up on the radio. Um, I told him, I said, you know, I'm older than him. And uh, have been doing this a while, but I told him I said, just treat me like you'd treat any other driver. If you want me to start the race with the track bar up an inch, tell me, put it up an inch. And if you want, don't tell, you know, don't sit there and go, well, he probably knows where he wants it. And I'll just let him make that decision. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. And he's, in my mind, the crew chief is sort of the leader of the team. I can certainly, you know, cheerlead a little bit and try to keep the troops. Uh, morale up in certain times uh, if we have us trouble on pit road or if I make a mistake on the track 
But Greg's kind of the guy that all the guys are going to look at, need to be looking at, and he really stepped up this weekend. I was really happy. Uh, and we're, you know, we're trying to get our confidence and and what we're doing so we can start to put some races together. We're, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle, but this weekend the car was great. So when the race started, uh, we were kind of moving forward, and uh, we had worked our way into the top five early in the race, top ten. And uh, running seventh late in stage one, we'd actually uh, had a caution. We came in, got two tires, so we had old lefts on. I was having a real hard time trying to get off the corner with that left rear tire on there. And uh, we got into it with Blaney again. <laughs> so coming off of turn four, I was spinning the tires really bad. And I guess I squeezed him into the wall. Uh, TJ said I'd, I, was, I didn't give him quite as much room as TJ would have liked. And um, TJ usually takes up for me in all situations so if he was going to say it, you know if he says I did something I shouldn't have done he's probably he's probably right I feel like that's most spotters though yeah most spotters it's never it's never their guy's fault right but yeah. I, we squeezed him into the wall and and then coming off of turn two I spun I spun the tires again and slipped uh slipped up the track a little bit and he just never checked up but uh I you know he I don't think that he intentionally was trying to spin me out but yeah he sent me for a ride Anyways, I was glad we didn't uh, hit anything. And then later on, it wasn't, but maybe seemed like 50 laps later, we were running right. nose to tail, not literally nose to tail on the track, but one position apart. Yeah, because I was sitting in traffic, and my fiance Morgan was looking at Twitter, and she's like, oh, no, 88 spun out. I was like, damn it. Yeah. And then by the time we parked, you were already back in the top 10. I was like, okay, he's fine. The car was so good that you could actually feel it in the pits, you know, with the with the over the wall guys. Yep. Anytime something like that happened, we saw you go from twenty first to fifth so quickly in the beginning and knew the car was good and had confidence in it. So when something like that happened, everyone was like, No big deal, you know, yep. nobody got down, everybody was confident in the car. He drove through the field there without a right front fender before. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it's such a fun track. So this got a conversation going at the house afterwards. Uh me and Amy were talking a little bit, and I said, I said, you know, uh, and I think most drivers are like this, and I don't know why. It, 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 this is the only part of my life where this happens. So out on the racetrack, it, it's, it's hard not to be an, it's hard not to want it to be eye for an eye. So if a guy spins me out, I feel like that I need, he, the same thing needs to happen to him somehow, some way. And so uh, and and no and in no other part of my life am I like that. If I kind of get a raw deal uh, somewhere else in the in in my day, you adjust, right? You adapt. Sometimes you know you don't just you don't uh, you're not so. I think it's ego. But don't you think? I think it's probably competition in general, like Com in any sport. You right. know, even like playing pickup basketball. If I feel like I get fouled and right. don't get a call. I'm going to go hard back at that guy to get mine. You know, I'm going to call for the ball and try and go. So I think it's probably just sports and competition. You're a competitor out on the track, and if you feel like somebody got you, you're going to get yours back. Yeah. But how do you bring yourself back down? Because you caught him so quick. We didn't actually get to him. So that whole time I'm closing, I thought I was going to run him down, but we never really did. He actually had a pretty good car, and we burned our stuff up maybe trying to get to him. And I never really got – to a position to where I had to make that mental decision of, am I going to do anything here? Usually I don't. Usually I pass the guy, and that's kind of my uh, middle finger of, hey, this is how you do it. So, and 
That's not as good a middle finger I as I want to give. I know it. So <laughs> this is why we had this. This is why I know. So this is why me and Amy were having this conversation. Um, most of the, my fans are going to say, you know, get up there and spin him out, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I kind of want to spin him out. Or, or it's eye for an eye. Whatever that guy did, right. you want to do it back. And your fans certainly want you to be aggressive and don't want you to get pushed around on the track and want you to return the favor. So what other alternative is there to what is the other, what is the other choice you can do that aside from spinning a guy out again to, to sort of settle the score? Right, because if you just bump him up the track and drive by him, you would do that to somebody. We did that all day. Yeah, you'd do that to your teammate. That was so. par for the course as far as at Martinsville, rubbing and all that. We uh, we had the whole right side of our car was wore out and used up from leaning on guys, and that's fun stuff. Right. But I don't know. I find I find a, I find it a, a bit of a struggle to decide what is the right thing to do. Is it the right thing to do to go back up there and, and the next opportunity – return the favor on that guy or that might teach him a lesson i know and he's a young guy maybe he needs that lesson yeah, yeah but don't you think part of that's maturity you see young guys do that they want that instant gratification what, here, and you have a long-term view of race guys the way you want to be raced no i'll tell you what if we were running if if we were at a race and it wasn't as highly publicized it would be way easier to go up there and knock this guy out of the way or spin him out. If we were racing at Myrtle Beach or somewhere like Nashville yeah. Fairgrounds and I got spun out, I, I'd have no problem going and spinning the guy yeah. out because it it's small potatoes and it's small town news. But when you know that's all people are going to want to ask you about for the next two or three weeks, or is this a rivalry, are you guys fighting? Yeah. Um, but you did talk to him. No. You still haven't talked to no, him. No, I haven't talked to him yet. You tweet was that real? That you tweeted a picture of him yeah, calling you, and you declined that it. That was Amy said that was pretty immature, and I almost kind of believe. Uh, I thought it was <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the kind I of little finger I would give. Yeah, yeah. he kind he was calling me, and uh, I was. Did he call multiple times? No, like an ex girlfriend. He called once and uh, left a message. I haven't listened to the message. I yet, don't think that's immature. Get keep him thinking about it. He needs to think. Man, I shouldn't be doing this well, on the track. Yeah, I think the part that disappointed me is that you were in position to get some bonus points late in that stage and it. then you get knocked out of it yeah. so at the same time though that that does suck to lose in points it gave us a great opportunity to come in get tires with five laps to go in that stage yep and then we just putted around till that stage was over with and was able to stay out and get a ton of track position back yeah. and that's kind of how we got back into the top 10 was doing it that way right um and so i'm sitting there with great tires and didn't have to pit so we ended up getting points in the second stage i think because of that strategy I don't know if we'd have been able to drive all the way back through the field in that matter in the matter of time that we had to lap two sixty. But I was just, you know, I've I've never I've been racing a long, long time, and I still don't know exactly. You know, every other situation in in the sport or in and on the racetrack, you kind of know exactly what you're going to do or what you would do. But in when you get spun out, you never really know exactly what, how to respond. And I guess it's a case by case. Like if you think you depends know, on how you get spun. How out, you get spun out and who does it? Who it, who it is? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, man, I'm, if I catch him, what am I going to do? I couldn't really figure out what I was going to do if I ever and, – and that's literally what was going on in my mind. I'm actually At the start of the season, I would have stuck up for Blaney, but – Well, act I'm just saying, like, people be interested, I think, to know what goes on in drivers' minds. So you're sitting there watching, and you're watching a driver run someone down, 
And going and in his mind, he's probably thinking, "Man, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there." <laughs> hey, and for the <laughs> record, up your mind. What am I going to do? I guess I'm just going to wait till I get there and see what happens. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm still pissed off and I spin him out, or maybe I don't. For the record, you weren't the only run-in Blaney had. Yeah, I heard he, him he and got Jimmy into got Jimmy into each bit. other, and and Chad had to come on the radio and say, "Hey, Jimmy, we need that car for later." So oh. there's an example of a veteran yeah. who Jimmy decided when he got to him, he wasn't going to be okay with I understand. it. Yeah, and sometimes, and sometimes, if you don't get a chance to spin the guy out, but he ended up get, getting in a wreck or has a bad day, that kind of makes you feel a little bit better. That's yeah, it's karma. But then yeah. you still owe him one. Yeah, but at least he didn't have an awesome day. Right, yeah, you yeah. have a crappy day. But so you got back in. That use that strategy. You ran well in the second stage. Finished sixth in that stage. So you did get some bonus points there. Yep. Then in the final stage. You're running good, and then you had the speeding penalty on pit road, yeah, which you said was coming out of the box. I guess it's the we were it was a segment beyond that, not literally the okay, segment okay, okay. coming out of the box, but the next segment. So right. I got I got out of the box real hard, and probably spiked over the speed limit as I'm crossing into this section that I sped and, and didn't slow the car down enough and get you know sort of you, to balance it if out. If you come on to pit road too fast, and you know it, yeah, you can stop. Or slow, over slow the car in that first segment and average the speed out. Right. Yeah, because they don't have like a radar. Yeah, gun. it's not a radar. It's gun. the average speed in that it's section. Just, yeah, it's just how long it took you for, to get from this line to this line. Yeah. And so you can know if you know and catch it quick enough. So I just got out of the box real hard and probably ticked the line speeding for the next segment and didn't slow it down enough or get underneath the speed limit far enough to average that time out. And it's literally probably like point oh two or point oh one. Over the over the speed limit, it's not a big chunk of you know like one mile an hour, or two mile an hour. Right, it's tiny. But if they already give you what a five mile an hour tolerance, right, and we push it to that to that. Five, I, that's yeah. how NASCAR works. And if anything, they give you the five mile an hour, you you're take gonna take it. it. Yeah. Right. So that was my mistake, and uh, I was really really hoping that they were wrong. Uh, there was a restart one time in in the race where we jumped to the inside of Matt Kenseth and made it three wide. Going I did turn see one. that. I swear I thought they were going to call me for mo- for, for pulling. I was in the I saw the start finish line <laughs> as I was to the left of Matt, and you're not supposed to be in the act of passing. You even though you're not really taking them, you can't move. You can't yeah. change lanes before the start finish line, and I felt like I had done it. Hey, you know, it was a nice move. I liked it. I, Matt texted me after the race and said, wow, I guess I need to pay attention to who's behind me on every restart. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, we had such a big run on you guys, and they were all – he was half throttle and everybody else in front of him was too. I was like, I had to, you know, had to go. You usually catch a lot of flack, though, for not being aggressive on restarts. Yeah. So, hey, I know. sorry about your luck. Yeah, he he wasn't mad. He was I know, just yeah. like, we, we joke and pick. But, um, that race is so long to where that's going to happen to everybody. At some point, yeah. yeah you're going to get put in a bad position. It didn't bother him too bad because he didn't get screwed, but the guy that was on the outside of that three wide, Newman. it's never good. Yeah. I saw him in the in my peripheral vision kind of get tapped by the 20 and, and get up the track a little bit. It's it's amazing some of the things you pick up uh, in your peripheral vision while you're out there racing around. But anyways, yeah, we got uh, we got uh, toward the back there, I guess, and just outside the top uh, 15 after the speeding penalty trying to make our way back forward, still had a lot of time, still felt good and confident that we could get back in the top ten. Greg was cheerleading, hey, man, we're going to be fine, work your way up through there. 
and uh, we got down into turn three, and I saw uh, them guys kind of messing around up there with Denny in the 10 car, Danica, but I couldn't tell exactly what happened. You can't see through those cars uh, in front of you too well, but this has happened before where everybody kind of checks up. We get we kind of bump into the guy in front of us, somebody rear ends us, and it shoves. We have only one bumper bar on the car, and it's below the headlights, and it went underneath the five car, I think, is who I was yep. running into. Yeah. It went underneath his rear bumper, and so his rear bumper comes back over the top of the radiator and sheared off the fitting on top of the radiator. This happened before when we ran into the back of Paul Menard in, in turn one. Spring of 2015. There you go. So – in my opinion, I hope when we go back, we have a little more protection up there for that radiator. Yeah, people were asking if you needed more of a bumper bar. Yeah, I would say you do. It's we don't run, we only run the bare minimum because of weight, and we're trying to get everything low right. as possible. So the radiator, it literally, the radiator's r only a foot tall. Right. In the in the front of the car, you you know when you used to see cars in the. You know, the, if you've seen under, looked under the hood of these cars lately, you'll notice the radiators have gotten a lot lower. Everything in the car is low, 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 trying to get the weight down to handle better. And so they take they took all of the uh, bumper bars that we would typically run from the um, from the grill up around the headlights. All that's gone. There's nothing there, literally nothing. It's so just body, no support. Yeah, it's a fiberglass yeah, nose. Yeah. TJ made a comment in the uh, at the start of the race before we got in the car, he said, make sure you remember that bumper's not made of glass, and I have to beg to differ. <laughs> uh, it uh, certainly didn't ta take the uh, lick it should have been able to take. I mean, we got it. It's Martinsville. You're going to have situations like that, and you hate not being able to continue. We should have been able to come in, patch it up, continue, finish in the top 15, top 10, wherever we would have ended up. Otherwise, aside from the uh, fitting on top of the radiator being knocked off, the car was not hurt in any way. Um, so that was a little frustrating. Maybe next time we'll at least put a little more protection around there that will prevent that from happening so we can have a little yeah. more contact on the front end of the car. And that's it. I mean, we had to uh, – we've been a victim of this new rule now where you can't uh, – if you're in the garage for more than five minutes you're or you go to the garage uh, for any reason, I guess you're out of the race. But Fans, you're still cool with the rule? Yeah, I'm still cool with it. I know it's uh, bit us in the butt a little bit, but I, I'm okay with it. It uh, evens out. It's it, it sucks at races like Martinsville and Bristol where you could fix it and get back out there and run. But yeah, but there'll every be, other track, right. it's a good thing. There'll be one. There'll be races like this where I'm yeah. like, ah, I wish I could keep going. But then there'll be other races where the car's literally uh, going to be three seconds off the pace. That's right. And you're not. Gonna, you don't want to get out there and ride around that thing, especially at places like uh, Darlington and and where you can't literally get out of the way fast enough. That's for right. These guys. Um. We're now 25th in points, so we were making a steady, slow climb back into yeah. relevancy, and now we've lost uh, we lost some more points. Um, and I told Greg in the gr in the holler after the race, I said this you know this this fight to get back and try to make this chase just got a lot harder. But if we can go to the next race and win it, we signed our we signed our yeah. invitation into the uh, the playoffs. You're so always one win away. You're one win away. And literally, we have the confidence of a team that can go to any race and win. We know we can. Uh, we felt like we, in the right circumstances, had a good enough car and the speed to win this weekend. And, you know, we're going to get more opportunities. But if that doesn't happen, we're definitely going to have to start putting finishes together. To uh, And I, th I, th I think, you know, 16, top 16 in points is still 
it's, obtainable. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just like during the race, after the race, those guys were frustrated because they knew you had a car you could win, but you yeah. could see that they were confident. Just when you were talking to them after the race and, and telling them, you know, keep your head up, good job, yeah. you could see it in those guys that they had the confidence that you guys are going to put a good machine on the car going yeah. forward, and so th- not worried about yeah. it. So I wanted to pose a question to our listeners uh, and re- use the hashtag DJD, Dale yep. Jr. Download, when you answer this question for me. So if you're a race car driver, considering everything going on out on the track, this isn't a question of what you want your favorite driver to do. This is what you would do. All right. So you get spun out on the track. You run. You're back on the. You're you know later in the race. You're running around this guy. What's your What's your action? What's your choice? So let us know. I want. We'll we'll we're gonna we're gonna maybe we'll put up a poll. You want to put up a poll? We can do polls. We'll do a poll and uh, get you guys to uh, to answer that. That'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. I know what it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> Give it to him. Remember that time? I think Brad was driving for JRM when he hit Denny, and Denny's like, "If you throw a rock, I'm gonna throw a concrete block yeah. back at you." I think so that's Denny's, probably what the fans Denny's want. not eye for eye. He's eye for two eyes. Um, anyhow, that's the weekend. Hopefully, Texas goes uh, goes a little bit better as far as the result. Going to a new racetrack there, new pavement, new configuration in one and two. But not to get off of the weekend and with Tony here. How that's did right. it? How did it go? Okay, yeah. So Tony was filling in for Tyler. Tyler was at WrestleMania. Yeah. And uh, Tony did great. I mean, I I'll let him sort of explain. Yeah, so for fans that don't know, I work with Mike Davis on on Dale's brand team, and so I see it from the business perspective, and my relationship is with our partners. So I'm at track a lot with Dale, but I see it from the partner side. So it was really fun for me to see it from Tyler's perspective, and I think that it makes you better at your job when you can experience something from a different view, a different angle. So that was really cool for me. I enjoyed it. You know, certainly my whole thought throughout the weekend was making sure that I was making your weekend less stressful because at the end of the day, your performance on the track and, and how you feel getting in the race car, that's what's important. So I wanted to make sure I took away anything that could add stress to you. I had a great time, you know, and it, it gave me perspective of the fans. Like I said, I love being in the pits. I think the thing that I took away, I, I specifically took some time to watch Greg, and we were talking about earlier, just all the inputs he gets as a leader of the team, hearing you on the radio, hearing TJ, and you can see him up there talking to the engineers and trying to hear you on the radio, and you're asking for feedback, and he's trying to get his guys to tell him what he needs and make those quick snap decisions to give you feedback. So it, was re- it impressed me the way that Greg does that and is able to manage all that information to give you what you need on the track and make the right changes. So how do you, do you have more respect for Tyler now that you've had to go do his job for a week? Yeah, I think he, it, it, it he almost sounded like he was. Eh, no, he really was. <laughs> he was really dodging the true content we're trying to capture here. He's filled in for you. Yeah, what's your impression it, of? It, it's two. It's two different jobs. I don't. I, I wouldn't want to do it. I think it takes the right personality. It's a balance. Certainly, our our fans are super super important to us, obviously, and it's a balance in in trying to facilitate those interactions with fans, but set you up to be a competitor on the track, and that's the primary reason we're at the racetrack. So I, I do have a new respect for Tyler going to the racetrack every weekend and, and facilitating those interactions and making sure that you're set up to succeed. Uh, yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to do it, but it's a, it's a different thing, I, you know. 
The only thing I want to know was the was the gate at the back of the elevator open when you got there on Sunday morning? No, but uh, Tyler, I'm a critical thinker. It was mm. it was easy. We we made changes on the fly. Okay, that's how we operate here on the Dale Junior brand team. Okay, uh, so so the gate was not open, but we went in the other gate, and there was no problem at all. Were you okay. disappointed you weren't mentioned in Tyler's uh, USA Today article about? I, I was not. Yeah, they didn't. No, yeah, they didn't share your tweet that said you were going. Yeah, I'll work on that for the next one. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I, I don't I don't need a PR guy. Uh, well, in case you do, my my job is to not promote myself. My job is I to know. promote the Dale Junior brand. I I, I just I couldn't believe that I woke up or no before I went to bed. Trust me, I got we my, couldn't believe it either. Yeah, I got my <laughs> Google alert come through, and I was like, oh, what they write about Dale today? It was like the fourth article, critical member of Earnhardt's team. And I'm like, really? Let, let's be clear. You also have a Google alert set up on yourself. That's how you heard about it. That would be the first one. Which I don't Morgan, you. it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan was not impressed. Well, bull crap. She was not. She was like, they didn't even mention that your fiance bought you the tickets. And I was like, do you want them to? Because I'll put out a follow-up tweet. Could you please Man. amend this article? Yep. Tyler's at his wrestling game while we're all trying to work and – I'll yeah. be back at it today. Yeah. yeah. He's back to work. Yesterday, he, I thought you were here yesterday, but you were flying home, right? I had a hellacious experience. Remember? Okay, so last Thursday we went to Texas. You put out the tweet about me griping about the Wi-Fi. So I got my karma yesterday, flying commercial. My flight was supposed to be at 745 last night out of Orlando, and I was going to get home about 9. We are like, man, we don't want to sit around Orlando all day. So we'll just stand by on a 145 flight. They they wouldn't let me stand by, but they're like, oh, but we can upgrade your tickets for 75 bucks a piece. Whatever. Do it. We get on this 150 flight, and they fly for about 45 minutes, and that's whenever all these storms are coming through Charlotte yesterday. And they're like, well, we're going to have to kind of hover here between Myrtle Beach and Florence, South Carolina, for 25 minutes. Um in case the storm passes and they'll let us land. They do this for an hour, and then they finally come on. They're like, well, they won't let us land, so we're and we're almost out of fuel, so we're going to have to redirect to Raleigh-Durham, go to Raleigh, sit there for two and a half hours on the plane. The pilot doesn't mention to other people or doesn't tell people not to get off the plane, so he taxis up and lets people off the plane, so they're going to go get their food, whatever, and it's not an easy process getting on and off these damn planes nowadays. So we have to sit and wait an extra 45 minutes for people to reboard. They come through, check everybody who didn't even get off the plane, check their tickets. So we didn't leave Raleigh till 7.30 last night, landed in Charlotte at 8.15. Mm-hmm. I got home about 9.30. You should tweet at the airline, and we'll be looking for the For the Wind story tomorrow about your travel problems. I was about to, but I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> so, Yeah. I I don't I will appreciate the Wi-Fi this week. It's free Wi-Fi too. Actually, I think we got our Wi-Fi repaired on the plane, so you should be in better shape. All right, I'll test it out Thursday. All right. Well, so Tyler, tell us about uh, tell us about WrestleMania. You went to WrestleMania in Orlando. I know you're a huge huge wrestling fan. I tried uh, sharing <laughs> some some of your photos. You did fan, with the fans, so they would understand your fandom. And uh, how I saw some of your videos on Instagram, and looked like a pretty good show. 
it was awesome. Um, so I've I've liked wrestling since I was a little kid. I stopped watching it for like ten years, and the last like three or four years, I've got back into watching it. And so me and my fiance, my fiance Morgan, she got me two tickets for us to go. That was my Christmas gift. So we flew to Orlando Saturday morning, um, and then they have this big fan fest event, which I was at this event like man nascar should do something like this it was so well organized integrated sponsors had cool displays and autograph sessions and like you could get your picture made with a wrestler or whatever so now, is that where the the foam pit that's where the foam pit was, was that you were jumping into yeah so they had this wrestling ring and then it was like you were jumping off the top rope into a big foam pit you could do that that was cool you had to sign a waiver for that though um they had where you could do like your favorite wwe person's entrance so you would go up like this um and it would have the big screen and you'd like walk out i can't show you that one (laughs) what come on no (laughs) ladies and gentlemen that'll be on social media later today yeah we'll figure out how to get that it's um yeah so who did you do uh me and morgan we went as this guy it's enzo and big Cass. it's this like really loud obnoxious guy from um like long island um it's pretty awesome okay um so we went down as them and then they had you could get your picture made they've got this big cage it's called elimination chamber and they have like six guys in one cage match and so they had that set up and it was like a photo op so we waited in line to get our picture made with this guy finn balor who's um he was the champion last year and then he tore his uh labrum in his shoulder or whatever and he just came back last night actually after wrestlemania um we got our picture made with him he was super nice um and then we met this girl wrestler her name's bailey she's the hugger so i had the shirt on that said can i get a hug oh did you put the shirt on just for that picture no i wore it that day okay just by happenstance no, I wore it because I was meeting her. You knew you oh, were meeting her. That's, oh, that's you wore it with yeah. the intention of meeting her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hardcore fandom. It is, but or you hey. wear a specific shirt for the day. Yeah, it is, but hey. P.S. Yeah. We've we've never seen a, a shirt that fits a dude more than Tyler Overstreet wearing a "Can I Get a Hug" T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you go and you look and see what shirts they have for that particular wrestler, and the other ones are like teal or purple, and I'm not gonna wear that. Uh, you're a teal guy. No, it's not like Charlotte Hornets teal. It's like a more okay girly teal. Oh, yeah. So I couldn't wear that. So we did that. Um, which if anybody from NASCAR ever has the opportunity to go to that and see it, it would be an amazing event to bring to like the Daytona 500. Yeah. Because there's a convention center in Daytona, they could do that. It would be an amazing event. Um, the content that WWE is is really well regarded in the sports world for the, the content they put out and the experience. Yeah. I mean, Mike and I research that kind of stuff, and the way they distribute their content on different social platforms and over the top channels, it's really impressive. They do a really good job of engaging fans. Right. So that was incredibly impressive. Sunday, obviously, was the WrestleMania. They filled the Citrus Bowl. There was 75,000 people in there, which was the record for the Citrus Bowl. And just the, if you saw the picture that, or video that I tweeted, that was the stage, and they were coming, the stage was probably 75 yards long, um, and they've just got people everywhere. And just the production of that thing was impressive, with lights and all this stuff going on for each and every individual person, was just, I was blown away by it. Um, It was a great show. 
It it was very long though. Did uh, so? Who was your who was the highlight for you in the sh- in the in the in the show show itself? It was the Undertaker's last match right. ever. He lost. Um, there was a match. Bill Goldberg. Yeah. He will be. He's actually going to be in Bristol a couple weeks. Yeah. He fought. He Brock lost. Lesnar. Right. Yeah. He lost to Brock yeah. Lesnar. And then there's this guy Seth Rollins. He fought Triple H. Um, which Triple H, his intro, he had a police escort, like six motorcycles, and then he was on a trike bike at the back. And so it was qu- it was quite an elaborate entrance, yeah. but it was a good match. Was Hulk Hogan there? He was um, <laughs> dismissed for um, oh, oh, making oh. some inappropriate comments. So. What? Yeah, that w- that happened like over a year ago. Oh, so he's not been allowed back. No. He's and old oh. anyways. Okay. What? Yeah. And so did you see Ric Flair? He, he was, was not. Probably, he was th- not there. I thought he'd be there because of his daughter. She's. He, um, he was in town, but he didn't come out during the I show. Gotcha. But his daughter fought. She lost to the Bailey girl that I met. Okay. Did you? Uh, what about um, the girl and uh, Cena? They got engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I. What do you think about that? Well, it seemed very staged. Like I'm. You think the, it's part of the show? No, I think that. Well, it was obviously part of the show, but I think they had got engaged. Before. Like before, maybe. and then yeah, they did ah, it to be interesting. So maybe she just wasn't wearing the ring because it seemed too good to be true. And for her sake, I would hope that's not how you. How he yeah, it. they yeah. know what they know what they're doing. They got engaged, and someone at WWE well, said, yeah. "Hey, yeah, we can make a storyline story out of this." Right. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, I'm glad you had fun, and I'm back. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you sure? Yeah, we're going to <laughs> Columbia. You want to take another weekend off? We got an appearance today. We got a deal on Thursday. We're going to Texas Friday. We'll talk I'm about that looking ahead. I know. I'm ready to go. Okay. He's refreshed, folks. <laughs> One weekend at WrestleMania, that's what it takes. Re-energized. Re-energized and ready to go. Oh, and I'm also re-energized because if you saw the game last night, North Carolina Tar Heels, national champions. National champions. Go that was Tar a pretty Heels. sloppy game. Hey, no, it was great. I'm glad the Tar Heels the won. The trophy it looks the same regardless right. of how sloppy the game is. That's right. There were a lot of foul calls, though. Yeah. I was real happy for the Tar Heels being a you know being a North Carolinian. It's awesome to see them. Considering last year's result, right. how that went down, it's awesome that they went back. I think I can't imagine how awesome that would feel having experienced that defeat last year. And then you go through the whole process yeah. again and win it. Quickly, we'll touch on – uh, your thoughts on Patrick Ewing getting the Georgetown coaching job, leaving the Hornets? That's good for him. I think he was overdue for even an NBA coaching job, so that's right. very good. I agree. Um, we talked about the USA Today for for the win article, so we do we get a USA Day, USA Today for the win article about every week. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, where they'll take a tweet and make a story out of it. So this weekend or this past week, they took the tweet about Tyler going to WrestleMania. Which I appreciate you putting out there in the first yep. place. <laughs> Blue Tyler up. And uh, so over the past few years, more and more sites have started pulling random tweets, right? And they're creating clickbait articles. Basically, they're taking the tweets that people can see on Twitter, and they'll write an article about it or create an article, which is pretty interesting that they just, you know, yeah. out of thin air. I will say, though, USA Today for the win is a big supporter of our podcast because they they tweet a lot about it so we're not criticizing them it's just well this is what you an interesting topic that they (laughs) put out so what are your thoughts on on the uh on the article wasn't it fox was doing it a lot last year fox does a lot nbc sports does a lot um so what are your thoughts on that people making articles strictly out of a tweet 
I don't like it. I think they could just as easy um, retweet your tweet. Yeah. And it would get the same message out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I understand everybody's got, they've got quotas to meet. So they got to get clicks to their website. So this bridges to a question that me and you have talked about. We've wanted to bring on to the podcast for a couple weeks here. What are your pet peeves when it comes to Twitter? Whether it be uh, from the media or from people you're interacting with, what are your what is the one thing uh, that sets you off on Twitter? I don't like people, um, and this is, I think, started more so since we've done this podcast. You know, okay, so we're gonna admit that when having this conversation, we're opening ourselves up. Yeah, for criticism. For criticism. But I don't like when. This guy this past or, week pissed me off uh-oh. about the WrestleMania thing. So I pissed him off. Yeah, he said, "What a waste of money!" And I'm like, "Oh, he said you're to go to WrestleMania was a I'm waste like, of money." Yeah, and I'm like, "Dude, I work to earn my money. How I want to spend it is not up to you, oh. and it's none of your business." There you go. That like that bothered uh, you. That pissed me off. Yeah, because he doesn't know me. Okay, if I want to criticize what I say on here. That's fine. I was going to say what annoys me is when I'm le- I'm up late tweeting and somebody says go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go to sl- that's yeah. Go to sleep. Like yeah. Thanks. I'll go to sleep when I want yeah. to. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, it's like be like I woke up early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just it's like don't you have a race to run tomorrow or or don't you have to- oh and uh, it's a uh, if it's like Wednesday or Tuesday. Aren't you supposed to be in Texas? That one's good. <laughs> I'll get that one today or feel like I'm not a golfer. I don't have to show up six days yeah. early. Now, nah, the go to sleep. That one gets me every time. Folks. I don't really have a response for it either. Like, you know, it's not a – You should just start liking the tweets. Yeah. Or, or retweeting them. Well, okay. Them. So that's how – okay. So when I, when I first joined Twitter, I was blocking people. Like when somebody'd say something like "You need to retire" or, or you, you know, I don't like you or whatever, I just block them. And then I found out you can mute them. Yeah. But before all that, I was liking those tweets. <laughs> like, hey, I saw your tweet. You're funny. I yeah. like, you know, kind of like uh, the mute is a great invention. I love the mute. Cause I mute it's not a lot. Of, it's not offensive. Yep. But then you're they like, don't, hey. I don't know that they know you get muted. Is there an app that? You know, somebody figured out a way to figure out how to get, you know, how, who's muting you. I thought I saw on Instagram one of your best responses was uh, keyboard muscles. Keyboard yes. muscle emojis. Yes. Yeah, everybody's got opinions. What was that response to? I forget. Some guy said. Uh, I forget what that guy said. You posted you should, oh, you, oh, yeah. You posted a picture with Paul Menard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this, this, oh, man. All right, so Paul Menard never smiles, right? Rare when you catch Rarely a, smiles. Rare when you catch a smile on this man's face. So we're walking out of the um, – Driver's, driver's meeting. meeting, and I saw him. I said, Paul, let's take a selfie. I don't smile. I'm going to smile obnoxiously big, and then I'm going to post it. He goes, you're going to put it on Twitter? I said, yes. So I put it on uh, Instagram, and a guy says, you need to pay attention to your car and your team. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you commented on how fast he was. <laughs> I was just not- – I noticed that he was doing really well in all the practices. He was in our garage stall next to us. So I'm like, you know, hey, Paul's having a good weekend. Pay attention to your car and your team. Keyboard muscle Keyboard emoji. Muscle. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, I don't, yeah. I wonder, like, what process that, like, are these people, how are they consuming this content and firing off their, are they, like, looking on their phone? This is what I'm going to tell this guy. 
Yeah. Man, it's Ninja such a large off. conversation about trolls and how brave yeah. you get behind that keyboard. I don't. Yeah. I can't imagine. I try to remember too that most of the tweets that I, most of my replies and most of my tweets are full on sarcasm. Right. And maybe that's their. Yeah, that's maybe a good they're point. Just being sarcastic. You know, maybe this guy's like trying to pick. Their their sense of humor is so, it's like desert dry. But you, you know, no, there's no tone. And maybe okay. So here's here's some advice I got from my sister. Uh, you the use of emojis would help a lot of these folks. Now, if you're really trying to be a jerk, use the proper emoji to send your so you can tell tone in your tweet. If yeah. you're like, I hate you, go to sleep. Use a real use an emoji that would define the the fact that you don't you know you don't approve. But if you're just picking. Use like a laughing emoji, right? Yeah. So I just throw that on there half the time, yeah. and then people assume you're joking. Yeah. Because <laughs> my sister's like, sometimes I'll be texting my sister, and she's like, that would have helped if you had used an emoji. Uh, I would have understood the tone. So emojis, use of emojis. Some people don't use emojis. They think they're for kids or something. They're not. Not yeah. me. They're for everyone. Yeah. They are. For <laughs> yeah. all scenarios, <laughs> <laughs> no matter how serious or yeah. not. All right. Well, all right. So this is another one. uh let us know, uh, hashtag DJD, let us know what annoys you on Twitter. Probably mostly the same stuff that annoys us. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Go to sleep. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're trading Tony for Mike. Yep, Tony's Thanks, out guys. here. Mike's coming in. So I sent out a tweet earlier uh, yesterday, I guess, about a, there's a check in my sister's office, and it's from the first win in uh, – the Xfinity Series at Texas, and it's actually 19 years today. 19 years ago today, August 4th, or April 4th. Was it cashed? I imagine it was. So okay. this is the – back then, my dad – I was kind of driving, you know, working for my dad, so they handled all that. So I don't know really how that all works. Kelly didn't work for me then, so she doesn't even know. But it looks like the real check. Yeah, it looks yeah, legit. It is legit. So I don't even know how I got it. Who framed it? Why it's framed? Whatever. But maybe we cashed the check. Texas got it, framed it, and gave it back to me. That's how. That's how. Circle I think of happened. life. That's why. I, that's how I think it happened. So, anyways, uh, Xfinity. Uh, Xfinity win there is uh, 19 years ago today. Uh, you wanted me. You heard a story. You heard me tell a story about the first Cup win that you heard. You hadn't heard. Yeah. Right? I will say, going back to the first Xfinity win. I distinctly remember sitting at my uncle's house. Oh. And he liked you. And I didn't. Yeah. And they were like obnoxiously cheering. This says a lot. (laughs) It all makes sense. Yeah. It all makes sense now. He was actually not a fan of mine. And still isn't, probably. Still isn't. (laughs) Yeah. You can tell that it's just really a job. No, it makes sense. It's all clear. 19 years ago. I was eight years, wait, 10 years old. I forgot how old I was. So when when he called me. (laughs) <laughs> or, or emailed me one day and said, hey, man, uh, how can I get a job over there at Junior Motorsports? He was actually kind of reluctant. <laughs> no, I, no, He's like, I, you know, I, this is, I hate this guy, but this is really I, my only no, end. No, no. This is my only end to the sport. Urgh. No, I. Oh, I hate I, sending this text. This, well, so this one happened uh, in early Or April. he thought it was the wrong junior. Like, he thought it was another junior. Yeah. Like, Bobby Hamilton Junior oh, Motorsports no. or something. We'd been on line racers. Yeah. So he knew me. Yeah. And he's like. How can I get involved in racing? How can how can uh, how can you help me? I really don't like you, but I really need some help. 
Um, so you won this so race. So you were basically a career path for him, and yeah. that's about it. Yeah. There's no emotional connection whatsoever. <laughs> stone and <laughs> long. So you won this race in early April. By May, that Charlotte race, I I became a fan. Oh, and then, really? and I and I distinctly remember Mark Martin wrecked you in that race at Charlotte. Yeah, in the Bush race. Actually, Mark Martin did not wreck me. We were trying to lap the guy, the motorcycle racer. But you were racing with Mark. Mark Martin. was leading. I was running second. And the 88, the black 88, his motor, motocross man. I what forget his this? name. 98. Is uh, somebody's going to tell us here in two seconds on Twitter. But Well, we haven't well, we haven't gone live yet. Because we, we've we've attempted to go live a couple times, and then there's a story that gets in the oh, way. Okay. So, so <laughs> anyhow, there's this. It's uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he drove a black 88. Had day glow yellow numbers on it. Oh, I something. remember that. It was a hype car? Yes. So he's out there trying to get his lap back in front of me and Mark, and he got loose and smacked the wall, and Mark checked up, and I checked up, and my car slid into okay. the wall as well. Uh, rookie mistake on my part. I, I sort of overreacted to the whole scene. But after that that race, I was a fan. Yeah. I jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, that sucked. We had such a good car. We qualified terrible. Uh, anyways. Uh, so the Texas story. Yep. First cup win. A lot of people don't know this. Um, we led we led a lot of the race, running really good. When the race was over, okay, we had a pit stop with about forty laps to go. Everybody comes in, gets tires, go, and we ran to the finish and won. When the race is over, we're coming around the racetrack after the checkered, uh, coming on to pit road. I went to mash the clutch in to to, to downshift, and the clutch was gone. The pedal broken, was gone. So <clears throat> immediately, the first thing I think of is, man, I'm glad we didn't have a late caution, or any other reason to have to need a clutch. Coming down pit road, getting in and out of your pit stall, we'd have not won yeah. the race. That Yeah, that would have been big. I know it. So, <clears throat> and, and then the next thing, we pull into victory lane, and the first thing that always happened at uh, the races was the PR guy, Jay Gers at the time, that Mike Davis used to work for, was a PR guy for uh, Budweiser. He comes to the window, and he's like, all right, Real quickly, remember to say Budweiser. That's their job. That's his job every week. Whether I'm in a crash, winner, or winning the race, he's going to tell me before an interview, make sure you mention my sp- the sponsor that I work for. And uh, he's coming in to the window, and you see this in the in the replay or, uh, of the Victory Lane celebration, and Dad grabs him by the neck, yanks him out of the way, and jumps in there. And Dad said, awesome job. I'm proud of you. Now you're going to have to find another way home. Because he was going home, I fly. I would fly with him in his plane, and he was like, "I'm out of here. You're gonna have to stick around because of post race interviews, and you're gonna ride home with the team." So that was the whole conversation we had. But the team came back to the same airport that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I just so wasn't it wasn't. Gonna, a he con- wasn't gonna wait around on me. Yeah. They, um, he didn't have to go to the media center back back then. No, they didn't <laughs> take. And I was so mad. I was kind of mad. I was yeah. like, "Come on, man, hang out. This is gonna be great." Right. But. Yeah. Come on, Dad. I know it. This is your Exalta Race Center update for the week of April 3rd. The Junior Motorsports late models were off. The Xfinity Series was off. That just left the Cup Series at Martinsville Raceway where Dale Jr. had it going on until lap 418 when Denny Hamlin will hop going into turn three, spun out Danica Patrick, and started a pileup that eventually knocked out the radiator of Dale Jr.'s Exalta Chevrolet. That turned a promising day for Dale Jr. into a 34th place finish. But the 88 team will look to rebound this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Have you heard what Exalta is doing for its customers? 
customers. They are building an incredible state-of-the-art facility right on the campus at Hendrick Motorsports. It's called the Customer Experience Center. It will be used to train and educate body shop technicians with Exalta's new products, technology, and innovation. This is good news for you because paint and body work isn't just needed at the racetrack. You need it. I need it. We all need it at some point in our lives, and you want the best when it comes to your vehicle. The best is anyone that uses Exalta coatings because not only is it the best quality, but its technicians are the best trained. All right, now we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions for the week. These were submitted via Twitter, as usual. Um, we're, all, we're live streaming on Periscope and Facebook Live. Um, Mike Davis has joined us to give us the questions to discuss and debate, if necessary, if Dale's wrong. <laughs> right. Well, um, if he's wrong. Tyler, we've already established before this broadcast started that he's not a fan of Dale Jr., so he probably, if anybody, will say that he's wrong in, in debating. But anyways, folks, make your questions good. I'm going to do the best I can to, uh, to identify some. Junior, you ready? I'm ready to go. Let's get started here. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about your bad luck lately, so here's a question from Mike. Uh, he's got a big, funky last name, so I'm not even going to try it. Uh, are you a superstitious person? Because you might want to put a horseshoe decal on the car with the bad luck you're having. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really. Uh, I don't, only superstitions that I believe in are the old, uh, the ones you learn when you're young, like walking in under ladders or breaking glass or, uh, you know, the black cat crossing the road in front of you. Those old kind of lies tale-ish. Those are the ones. Um, there is There are racing superstitions peanuts around race cars my grandfather was big into was really a believer in that peanuts were bad luck so if anybody come around the car with peanuts he got them he ran them off um the color green uh which i you know i can't imagine that's very that's bad luck but a lot of people said green was bad luck in racing um the number 13 obviously that's pretty much everything that that covers not just racing but anything so yeah that's ty Dillon drives a, a number, 13 number 13 car, car with, with green. green yeah He's doing really good this year, actually. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of racing superstitions, but I don't buy that. I don't buy into that stuff. I don't have a lucky pair of underwear that I wear every race, or socks, or a, a certain suit that I only like to race in, or a certain way I anything I any tradition. I don't have any kind of traditions. People, I know it's disappointing. People always, what's your race day tradition? What do you eat? What's your race day meal? And it's like I don't really have any kind of method to it, but. You know, I do – there is one thing, uh, and my dad made me a believer in this. So he – I do believe that if fans give you something uh, and they're like, hey, uh, can you can you keep this in your car or put it in your pocket or this is going to bring you good luck, a lot of times it's hard not to buy into that. My dad met um, – I think it was a Make-A-Wish child – before the 1998 Daytona 500, she gave him a penny that was good. She said was good luck, and he glued it to the dash of the car and won the race, right? And so, I guess ever since then, um, I always get a verse from Stevie Waltrip, and I won't race without the verse. I feel like that it would be bad luck or bad karma to not take the verse. It's always on a sticky note, and I'll stick it inside the car somewhere. Every single race, we run with a verse. So that's one thing that I need. But if a fan comes up and it, or, and particularly kids, like it's there's something about what is that? What you know? There's something about a kid uh, that that if they give you something, it sort of brings you good luck because they're wishing you well in the first place, right? It'd be bad karma. Bad karma. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
but I think that there's some sort of ma- something magical about that connection that the kids have to their favorite athletes or sports figures, and when they bring like the penny or anything else, and they're like, "Man, I really b- want to believe that this is going to help you." If you don't accept that or buy into that, it, there's you know you kind of have to buy into that, right? Mm-hmm. And you're and part of you, the kid, maybe the kid inside of you wants to believe. But they're telling you that this is going to bring, bring you good luck. So We're going to have to add a coin jar to the car now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, a lot of that depends on how your performance has been lately. Yeah. And so how yeah. many more uh, you know, uh, unlucky finishes does it take for us to start going, okay, everybody, empty your pockets. That's we need some point. help. <laughs> right? Yeah. Starting a fundraiser over here. That's right. Yeah, the, the, lo- the lucky GoFundMe account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, see, let's see here. Uh, really good question here from Billy Bradley. Will Tyler be in Texas, or is he going to be attending Disney on Ice this weekend in Tennessee? Hey, uh, Billy Bradley, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Martinsville with the hot pass that I got for you. Oh, no, he said thanks. Oh, okay. Well, that was, you should have started with that. Tyler I will be in Texas Friday morning. See, you know, that that's, that's Tyler's thing. Like, he immediately went to – I've done something for you, yeah. you ungrateful <laughs> piece of crap. Uh, I and will he, be in Texas. I'll be I'll be at every race through Loudon. And the, he, I, you know, he says he doesn't get thanked enough, and I don't know that he hears when he does get thanked. Listen, that, I got a lot going on. That for the win article, you I made this point. You might be getting thanked way more than you realize. Listen, maybe that for the win article. I made this point to you yesterday. That. He, they called you a key member of the team. <laughs> that is all the thanks that you need, man. I, yeah. You are a key member of the team that got an article written in your, about that. your absence. Hey, and on that for the win but real if quick. It's, but if it gets him three off weekends, he's just a lowly PR folk. Yeah. <laughs> but on that for the win article. <laughs> That's the, his own words. The picture they used <laughs> was Dale laughing at me in the garage in Vegas after he had posted an awkward uh, Instagram selfie. So his, I was own, like, his own words, Mike. What do you mean his own He's work? a PR guy when it works for him. Oh, my gosh. But then he's a road manager when it works for him. And then he's a lead key member of the team when that works. That's right. How do you uh, keep well, your business card? What do you, do you have three different business cards? <laughs> on I the road it, manager thing, Jeff Gordon was like, why do you have a road manager? <laughs> and I'm like, Jeff has a guy that goes with him everywhere. Uh-huh. Wait a second. Jeff Gordon stepped up at you? Oh, no. It was in response. He's like, ha, ha. Um, in response to his tweet that said, my road manager, Tyler's going to WrestleMania. Oh, so, yes. He said, I think it's awesome that you have a road manager. Hashtag rock star. Stepped up to him. I think the difference is, is that Jeff Gordon's road manager actually likes Jeff Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> That's key. That's key in every working <laughs> relationship. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's pick another one here. Uh, how aggressive do you get with setups and strategies now, now that the 88 team is sort of in a hole? Not you specifically, but your team. Yep. Are you going to get more aggressive on the setups? Uh, well, um, you know, I, I think that we're pretty aggressive as we are. You know, I think you're, everybody's very aggressive on their setups. Everybody's very aggressive on getting through tech. You have to be to be competitive in the sport. You can't. You can't be. Cl- you can't be comfortably inside the box of legal, right? Uh, you have to work really, really hard to read between the lines in in NASCAR's rule books and try to find a competitive advantage that won't get you thrown out of the race or get you through crew chief a six-week uh, suspension. So every car in the garage is doing that. Um, that question is closely related to our drivers driving drive, hard. Are you going to drive harder? <laughs> yeah. So I think that... Um, Which that got a lot of play. I don't <laughs> know that you'll get... 
you'll change your strategy in racing either as far as your pit strategy or what you're doing on the you know what you're doing throughout the day it's pretty much cut and dried what you need to do to have a good run um, if there's a strategy that would give you an advantage or one more that's more aggressive that's the one everybody's going to use um, so we're we're kind of doing that uh, we just need to I think we need to get a you know, if we can't win these races, we need to finish in the top ten, top five, where we belong, where we're supposed to be finishing. And we get three, four, or five of those in, in, in our pocket, uh, we're back on track. So we just got to calm down. Not, We don't need to push all the chips in, bet the farm, risk losing everything, and just kind of get some consistency going and crawl, crawl back into this race here. Here you go, Ryan Burnett. While signing diecast of one of your paint schemes, do you ever remember specific characteristics about that car how it drove any memories from those cars just when you're oh, yeah. kind of going across tell me some uh yeah i think uh this year i'm signing a lot of diecast of cars that i didn't drive like uh so i've I, this weekend i signed the michigan car that we the michigan state i guess the michigan uh wolverines car that's that right we ran that Jeff ran or Bowman, who ran it? Alex Bowman ran, it. ran it. Alex ran it at Michigan. So I'm signing a ca some cars this year that I didn't even drive last year, but they have my name on them. That uh, and the Grey Ghost. I signed a lot of the Grey Ghost. Uh, but, yeah, every time you sign a die cast, you think about the race you ran yeah. in it. And uh, I guess the – man, I mean, I really, really like that Exalta car that we're running now. So that's probably the one that I like signing the most. Uh, Those aren't even out yet. I know. Because it came together. Well, so I'm fast. signing some. Oh, really? They're just not for sale yet. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I just, I've signed about, let's see, probably 50 yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Those must be the first batch. They are. Oh. Yep. Very exciting. <laughs> if you were a fan of Dale, you'd have known this. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on I was here. busy. There's even some doors that Tyler can't get through. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Apparently. Or he just doesn't care. Yep. Yeah. It could be that. Yeah, you, have right. to, you have to care enough to try. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, is it difficult to get past a bad race, or do you just move on and concentrate on the next one? This is from Casey Martinsville, 88. Used to be terrible. Used to, used to, could, I used to not be able to get over bad races until we got to the next track so I could kind of redeem myself. I felt like uh, I couldn't get it out of my system until I got back in the car and did something good. Um, that's kind of like a personal self-worth thing a little battle of my own you know my own personality but I've gotten a lot better uh at that and I, I think I've gotten a lot better at it as, a, as you get older and I think back to the races where I did get really really disappointed and drug that on the entire week and think about what a waste of time that was and so I don't even remember all those miserable finishes that much you know I remember the the, the wins and the great runs that we've had those are the ones that, that stick in your mind uh, so yeah, I, 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 and also I've changed the way I react to them immediately after the race. Uh, and I talked to me and Greg sat down and talked all off season about this. And I said, Greg, I got to change how I'm doing things. Cause I'm, I'm making myself miserable when we don't perform the way I want to. And I've, I have a feeling in each race where we should finish. And if we don't realize finish there, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't do as well as we should have. So my reaction in the past would be to get out of the car and you know stomp my foot and be disappointed and, and walk around to each one of the guys and, and pound my fist on the car and 
You're like, damn it. You know, yeah, that sucks, man. And I thought that I was showing my team that I cared and that, man, this matters. You know, right? I want to show them that I'm disappointed and, damn it, I'm, I want more. But what that would do, I would basically give them this whole attitude and, and I was giving them these negative vibes, right, and bringing them down, right? And I'm like, Greg, I'm just worried that if I get out of the car after 34th at Martinsville and go, hey, guys, that's all right. We had a fast car. We're going to get them next week, man. Everything's fine. That they're going to think, man, he don't really care. Or he, it just, or he just, wow, I can't believe this just rolled off his back so easily. You know, why, why doesn't he care more? Or why isn't he upset? So I was afraid that I would send the wrong message. But it's not sending the wrong message. I've, you know, this year I've gotten out of the car. I haven't been negative. I've gotten out of the car and said, guys, just keep showing up each week. We just got to, because when this goes right, we got to be here and ready and prepared to take advantage of it because it's going to go right. If we come in with our heads hanging and, oh, man, what's going to go wrong this week? When it's when it's there for the taking, we're not going to be ready to seize it. And and he and all the guys have said, a few of the guys this year have said to me, I really appreciate how you are after the races because we're down and your attitude keeps us going or picks us back up. They get out of the car going, or they, at the end of the race, they're, they're dejected. And a couple of them have said, man, your personality this year is different, and I appreciate it. And so it's having the desired effect that I've wanted to have all along. I just was afraid that they, you know, I was, I was wrong in how they would perceive my attitude after the races. So I guess the answer to the question is I don't let it get to me as, as I once did. I try to be uh, more positive, and particularly I go around no matter what the result. I go to every guy on the car and tell them that I appreciate their work, appreciate how hard they worked this weekend, and I can't wait to see them, you know, Tuesday at the shop or whatever. <clears throat> That's important to me that I see all the guys before I leave. I don't feel like it's weird just to get out of the car and say bye to Greg and take off. Um, so, yeah, the guys seem to be responding really well to it, and it's important, too, now because of how we struggled that we, that you know, somebody that we're, you know, we're kind of keeping the – keeping ourselves positive. Uh, the fans are super, super good at that. Um, and that's, I'm learn, I guess I'm, maybe I learned from the fan reaction on Twitter. So after the races, ever since I joined Twitter, I've been really amazed at how after a bad day, the fans are, one, or majority of the fans' response is, don't worry about it. Okay. Next track, right? And that surprised me because I thought they would be like me. Like, damn it. I, oh, this has got to get better. I thought that would be the reaction because that was how I felt like I wanted to be. And so I've been really surprised at how the majority of the fans go, next track, no problem, get them get next week. And so I've been trying to be that way, and I think that really picks me up when the fans are like that. It's kind of like, hey, man, okay, don't worry about it, shake it off, don't, don't let this bring you down because they they're worried that you're going to be down and out going into the next event. They don't want that. They want you up. Right. And so I've been doing that a little bit myself, and it, I think the guys on the team appreciate it. That attitude and personality, you know, it spreads. Every, it, whatever you're going to do, you're going to cast on to the next guy. However you act and your personality, it rubs off on the whole team. And so, yeah, this year especially, I've, I've really kind of been able to let a lot of this stuff 
roll off my back, and we've gone into the next races with confidence, and, and uh, you know, I feel good things are going to get going right for us in the next several weeks. I, I want to add one point to yeah. that because I've been with you long enough to where, you know, since 2004, I remember bad races would affect your entire week. Oh, yeah. And you do a lot of work in the week, midweek. And so, like, if we had productions and we had they were appearances, not only was it miserable for you, but then it – made everyone around you miserable yes. and it was not fun no it was not, not fun, fun for anybody nope. and everything could go back to the performance of the previous week yep everything could point back to that yep and that would, was that you're right there's just been a lot of questions about people still wanting some explanation on the segments and i know they're still pretty the stages new. the stage i'm sorry the stages <laughs> but they're saying segments and stages so well nascar does not like the word okay. segments okay we'll, we'll call them stages then yeah. um it, it's still new enough, I guess, that let's do a quick explanation of it, and then also you guys talk about what your feeling of it is so far. I was one of the guys on stage, right, uh, during this announcement, pumping, right. pumping the sunshine. Um, this is going to be a good thing for the sport, and, and it's going to it's gonna bring a, a new layer of, of uh, excitement. I like getting points in the middle of the race. I like what – that does to the action on the track and the intensity inside the car because if you're inside you know if you're inside that top 10 it matters mm -hmm. right that didn't matter before or there wasn't a reward for it you know you still needed to be there every every lap counted and you had to work all day to, to try to win the race but now there's there's reward on the line in the middle of this these races that's it's critical. It's going to add up, you know, especially when we run 34th or finish 34th. If we can get some of them bonus points early in the race, it kind of negates some of the sting on that bad finish, right? Um, Talking about the importance of the stages on Sunday when Stenhouse bumped right. Kyle Busch on yeah. the last. So oh. that cost him a playoff point. Right. So that, it's, it's really having the desired effect. And, one of the things that I've noticed is I'm seeing a lot of articles, particularly this week, of people praising the stages. Uh, the, the people like see, the people are starting to see, I guess, the excitement that it's bringing, particularly at the Martinsville race. It brought a lot of drama and excitement. It really throws a curveball to the strategy. We got spun out, five laps to go in the stage. We come in, get tires. We are able to stay out get a lot of track position in between stages. So there's all kinds of things going on out there that I still don't think uh, the fans are, are, are privy to. I don't, you know, they will, you know, it's so much happening that maybe the broadcast can't convey everything that's going on that's right. so interesting, but it will, over time, become clear, crystal clear to everybody watching the race what might happen or could happen in these little, these little incidences and, and as these stages come to a close. So... I've, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, I do not like riding around under caution because I want to race. I want to be racing. But uh, it does uh, it does provide the fans an opportunity to, uh, you know, to get up, go get a Martinsville hot dog. I know a lot of people uh, like that about other sporting events where they there's a break in the action. They know, hey, this is my chance to go use the bathroom or this is when I can go get a concession stand break or something like that. It's you know it's sort of building that opportunity into the sport as well. I know those are that's small potatoes, but all these little things matter. That might be a big deal to the guy sitting next to you, you know, knowing he's got that opportunity to go to the concession or something or get his family something to drink or eat. Um, 
you know, and if you're at home watching on TV, you know, it's an opportunity to get up, go into the, you know, go into the kitchen or whatever you need to do. Uh, so it's kind of a built-in timeout uh, that the fans probably need or uh, can utilize and get more comfortable utilizing. Uh, for the drivers, it's, uh, you know, it's it's really neither here nor there. It doesn't really affect us one way or another. It's not something we like or dislike, but I do think that it makes the race more interesting to watch. So, and that's a good thing. So, I'm still uh, still pretty happy with it. I, it's not doing anything wrong. It's not doing anything bad or detrimental to the races, or uh, it's given it's given people new opportunity to create new strategies. Like I said earlier in the podcast, some of these races, the strategy is already um, it's already sort of painted. The, the strategy is already pretty much decided for you. You can't in some of these races you can't get off on your own, you know, get off on your own kind of strategy because either the track surface is too old and it's going to wear out tires. So everybody's coming for four tires every single stop. Um, you know, at a road course, you're going to run the race backwards uh, on fuel mileage and all that stuff. Well, with these stages, that changes everything. That presents all kinds of opportunities at all races for guys to try to trick the system a little bit. For a crew, crew chief to game the system or, or outsmart his competitors uh, and put his driver in a position that, uh, you know, that's an advantage. So I like it. All right, looking ahead, we've uh, we've got a few things going on this weekend. Today, we got an event at South Carolina Governor's Mansion to promote the Darlington Throwback Weekend. We're going to talk about Darlington, how important it is to uh, the community in South Carolina uh, and the Throwback Weekend and how that's grown. Wednesday, we're going to unveil a one-time-only Exalta paint scheme to race at Pocono later this year. This is just uh, a teasing it, so we cannot say uh, what it is. But it's it's interesting though. It is interesting, and it's going to throw people for <laughs> it's going to throw people for a loop, through me for a loop. So tune in Wednesday to see what you think about this Exalta paint scheme. We're going to run at Pocono Thursday. We're going to the United uh, Pittsburgh Medical Center for a concussion synopsis symposium. Symposium. It's in Pittsburgh for high school athletes, coaches, and athletic trainers. So I'm going to be with my, with my team of doctors that I've worked with through my concussions, Mickey Collins, uh, all his group. We're going to be talking to uh, coaches and trainers uh, at the high school level uh, about concussions and, and uh, treatment and so forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Friday, practice. First time for everyone at the new surface configuration at Texas Motor Speedway. We've got qualifying at 6.15 Eastern. Saturday, two practices in the morning, the Xfinity race at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Sunday, the race starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on the Big Fox, not Fox Sports 1, and uh, that's it. That's going to yep. be a full week. Should be a fun one. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks, Tony, for coming on. Mike Davis, as usual. Tyler, glad you're back. Thanks to our friends at Exalta for making it happen here at the Exalta Studios. As always, we're broadcasting at Junior Motorsports on, at 8 o'clock every day. Uh, no, Tuesdays. Or Tuesdays. Not every day. Be sure to subscribe to the Dale Jr. Download through DaleJr.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and all the major podcasting outlets. Let us know your feedback on Twitter. He's at Dale Jr. I'm at Overstreet Tyler. Also follow Dirty Mo Radio on Twitter and Facebook. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 